0: Welcome to the Unboxing Your Packaging podcast, where we pop packaging out of the box thanks to the shared experience of inspiring businesses and experts. I am Colleen Regout from Look for Loops. My passion is to optimize the use of resources and designing out waste. This show aims to help you redesign, reuse and recover your packaging. Packaging these days is sometimes the scapegoat that makes us forget that the product inside has the biggest part in environmental and social impact. And sometimes the product content is actually like the warriors in the mythological Trojan We only see the container without paying attention to what it carries on. So how should packaging go along with a product at best while answering a real need? Actually, it is an entire process. And one of the essential steps in this complex journey is to verify your packaging solution value. This is the purpose of a whole chapter in my online training called Develop Circular Packaging Solutions, listed in the show notes. And today, I have extracted for you not the entire methodology, but some key points to take into consideration. I will illustrate the three packagings' reasons for being with what our last six guests are experiencing on the field. So, you will hear from them about physical protection, communication, and user experience. But just before exploring what these three packaging functions could mean, Nerida from the World Packaging Organization summarized very well why we want to emphasize the good marriage between packaging and
1: products? It is so challenging because we have to find the optimum pack design. So we have to make sure that we're not designing and we're wasting food and we're not designing and we're wasting packaging materials. So for any packaging designer or technologist or engineer that's listening to this, it, it is really, really challenging, but we have to have a balanced approach and we have to have a reali- realistic balanced approach. So when we talk about carbon footprints and environmental impacts, we often only discuss packaging and packaging waste, but we don't discuss the environmental impact of the food or the beverage or the production and manufacturing or the transportation of that. So for me, I always say to everybody, we must have a science-driven, balanced approach to the conversation. We need to look at all environmental aspects of both the product and the packaging because it can't be discussed by themselves in silos. And we also need to make sure that we have the science behind it with life cycle assessment. For sure, we agree.
0: Now, let's dig into the first purposeful packaging function directly related to the product it contains, the physical protection. And as you may already have in mind, physical protection underlines the design aims of safety, storage and transportation as well. Here is what our guests say about safety. Liz and Enzo from Monsieur et Madame Recyclage address in their videos and infographics some health components.
2: You wonder what is inside a milk bottle as packaging? You want to know how microplastics migrate into salad crops, for example?
0: While Nerida from the World Packaging Organization highlights the need to minimize food waste across the entire value chain thanks to the packaging protection function. What is at stake here is contamination by microorganisms, dirt, hair, moisture, toxins, and any other potentially damaging factors.
1: And I think the thing that people forget is that when you're talking about food packaging, we need to minimize food waste across the entire value chain. And to do that, we require the packaging. And we need the packaging to protect, contain, preserve, transport that product. You know, there has to be a trade-off because that's got to be more important in many aspects. And health and safety of consumers, we've got to protect that product. And we need to design with fundamental aspects of packaging design first and foremost, fit for purpose packaging. And then hopefully we can also ensure that it's sustainable as well.
0: And the design is inextricably linked to materials that a value from Packaging unbox podcast brings to the table.
3: So let's use the right materials. Let's try to make sure that the packaging is as small as is required to protect the product. So we're not using extra material, not taking up extra space.
0: And this last comment is actually covering as well another big design aim, the storage. It was part of the conversation with Evelio at many levels. And I choose an extract about luxury shoes boxes matching the style of the shoes.
3: The box was designed by Jason Murphy, who's an amazing designer. With these shoes, yeah, they come in a wooden box. It's a drawer. It's beautiful, like laser engraved. It has a huge story behind it. Nobody would throw this thing away. But does it need to scale? No. And I think a lot of brands today are starting to learn that and the power of social media and the power of marketing, right? So I know there was a a Nike baton collaboration they did. It was like in celebration of Virgil Abloh and they released this photos of the shoes with this packaging that was amazing. It was like over the top. It was like a Renoir suitcase. But if you buy those shoes, it doesn't necessarily have to come in that. You know, I think maybe the first few can come in that. The rest of them can come in a regular rigid box, a regular corrugated box, something different. But it's all about getting people to want the product.
0: For me, it was fun to envision the storage design aim with these two disruptive examples. So you have food for thought about the limit when the packaging is supposed to store a product, but becomes a product in itself. Now that we have spoken about transportable shoes suitcase, it leads us to the third design aim for physical protection. I mean, transportation. The whole idea here is to optimize it. Mike, from Returnity, shares his experience from three shipping industries. The rental, operations between stores and retailers, and the groceries.
4: And so finding easy problems is a much better way than finding hard problems to gain that momentum. Sometimes that's internal logistics. So how they're moving products between warehouses and stores or factories and warehouses, sometimes it might be subscription programs they have. It might be as specific as for an e-commerce retailer, identifying when somebody's ordering two sizes of the same product because they know they're doing a try on, they're keeping one, hopefully. The return in the other it's already circular the customer is already participating in circularity and not knowing it the consumer wants to get to the thing that's inside they don't want to focus on the thing that's outside and they shouldn't so we're going to be behind the scenes just making it work great for the for this brand and being supportive of them that.
0: and that's why he is creating very customized packaging for his client the next key function packaging people should be very clear about is Communication. The first design aim that comes into your mind about communication is probably the description and all its information written on the packaging. But the following extracts reminds us that it could be associated with some paramount external signages as well. Rich from British a reusable container and dishwasher program explains that.
5: We provide our clients with a whole suite of signage and email templates and information that they can use prior to launch and at launch of the program so that people are familiar what's going to be happening, like why it's happening, what they need to do, that it's very simple. It's like just Really, really, for employees using our containers, all they have to do is not throw it in the trash, just throw it in the group. It should be straightforward. But if you prepare people, it's much better than them just showing up and having it happen, right? So we provide a whole bunch of communication. Some of it includes environmental importance of doing it. Some of it's just like not that. It's just this is what's happening. There's a variety of consumer behavior change methods out there, right? That we try to use, incorporate into our signs. But, and then we encourage our clients to, use that stuff, right? And then we also have a media kit for after they've been up and running for about a month or so to help them. This is how you've done, right? This is how to continue the momentum and all those sort of things.
0: Indeed, in Reels, you are better to campaign your system so people know what to do to help you with your return rate. This example is more a service mode, but there is still a need to be attractive so, our next design aim related to communication is none other than branding. And here is what a value shared.
3: We really need to focus on the consumer, make it mm-hmm. easy to access because they're not buying this for the packaging. They're buying it because of the packaging, but not for the packaging. They're buying it for the product.
0: That was outside. Enzo, from Monsieur et Madame Recyclage, summarizes that the inside is worth its weight in gold.
2: And always remember that the most important thing is your, what is inside the packaging, you know? If you put too much effort on marketing for the packaging, and your packaging I mean, looking too good, and you forget about the quality of the products inside, you kind of lose what you are really doing, selling good product to people.
0: Okay, the star has to be the branded product, preferably sustainable as well, of course, and not the branded packaging, even if it could include behavior changes. The floor is Mike's from Returnity.
4: I think... So much expectation is put on these reusables, particularly in the shipping and delivery space, creating this brand experience. But it's just a bag or a box to get the product to your home. It doesn't need to be more than that. It probably shouldn't be more than that. And nobody knows or cares who Returnity is. And I don't want them to have to know or care who Returnity is. The star of the show is the brand. It should be. We don't add value by having Returnity's name on there.
0: It is a specific business model, right? For him, it is up to its clients, the brands, to show up. But it doesn't mean that it makes their packaging solution valuable. There is another big trick to consider behind and above the brand. Let's hear what Mike says later in the interview.
4: We did figure out what it takes to make reusable scalable and what are the building blocks that the companies need to have in their operations for it to be a good fit. And so a lot of our expertise now comes from helping customers first understand where in their operations reuse is the right choice and then making them the packaging. The packaging has to work and has to be great and we're really proud of the packaging we make but I think the key to our success has been first understanding system requirements for reuse and then implementing reusables and doing it in that order which is still unfortunately I think done most often the other way around.
0: His insistence on the system around the product instead of the packaging in itself leads us directly to the final loop of what the communication has to tell yes when you empty the shell of the packaging by consuming or using the product it is important to take into account the end of life design aim who else better than mr and mrs recycling monsieur et madame recyclage in french Cold comments on this topic. Listen to these. This is a very small chunk of our big conversation in episode
1: twenty-eight. You have to to think at the end of life when you create your product, and not after. I know people want to manage it after, and they have a lot of other stuff to deal with when we are creating the product. But when you call us, and somebody is already on the market, most of the time it's too late.
0: And. This consultant's advice has been reinforced by a design expert when Evelio says,
3: Let's make sure that the materials that we do use are recyclable and globally recyclable.
0: Of course, when he mentions globally, it means that you have to inquire about what is going on in the countries your product will be sold. We talked with Nerida about some guides available to help to rethink packaging with the practicality of the end of life.
1: But also we look at the reality of a materials recovery facility. So we know what most materials recovery facilities accept and don't accept, want and don't want, Mm -hmm. which ones have the value and which ones don't for them, because it is a commercial business for materials recovery facilities. So that's what we're trying to achieve, is to help educate people into design their packaging to match what a materials recovery facility wants and doesn't want. The best situation is when you can go and check by
0: yourself and speak with the people managing these plants. That's what Paul from Circuton recommends warmly.
6: The one that I'm trying to teach is called Active Transparency. Mm. And this is not about just waiting for figures and information to come to your desk. It's about going out and really addressing the bad things in your supply chain as well as the good things. I've been asking businesses for several years is, do you know what's happening? Where is it? Oh, yeah, it, it goes to the sorting facility. Yeah, but where does it go then? To recycling. Are you sure? Well, I guess. Well, go and, go and see it. Go and look at your brand in a machine, turning it into other stuff and, and tell me if that's true. People don't realize that a lot of product is sent to incineration. They don't even know the existence of waste for energy. It's a concept completely new to them. So they think they're sending things to recycling and they're being burnt. They disappear. It produces energy. Fair enough. If it's toxic, fair enough. But if it's usable, it shouldn't be being burnt.
0: I also enjoyed a lot the challenging perspective of Paul, imagining a total different situation that forces you to think in another way.
6: If you own all of your own packaging and you make millions of tons of packaging, are you going to put it in your next to your factory and wait? I mean, where do you put it? How do you make it reusable? What if you yourself were forced to recycle it? What if they said, actually, every brand must have... Imagine they shut down all the recycling plants tomorrow and every brand was forced to recycle their own stuff. That would make a big difference. That would make brands reduce their packaging very, very quickly.
0: So the next question is, how do you take it back? How do you track and trace your packaging? Here is Mike's point of view in the realm of reusables like Returnity. I think the the tracking and the
4: the management part is, is really central to it. And at this point, we've put everything from standard classic barcodes to qr codes to rfid tags to whatever fits the client's requirements and is aligned to their inventory systems but i think that speaks to an important point which is you know going to maybe sound consistent with our dialogue to date which is if the data system has to work too hard you probably have a reuse model that's already suspect
0: so choose your data wisely and if you feel overwhelmed by them take a step back. And finally, all these design aims won't have a reason for being if your packaging won't be used. That's what the third key function is about, the user experience. And under the user experience, for sure, you will find the shape, which can be related to a habit with a lot of impacts. This is the case of the small yogurt pots, sealed by six pieces and explained by Enzo from Monsieur et Madame Recyclage.
2: Here in France, there's two packagings that are really like at the heart of the war about recycling. You know, there's a the ham and yogurt. And yogurt, so here we do love to have the little portion. So you're going to buy a pack of six and you have to be able to break it, you know. And that, I don't know how to say it correctly in English, but the sound produced and the effect it produces and the fact that you have a little portion instead of a big, big jar of yogurt, for example, is so important for the marketing to sell the product to children that no one wants to change it. And it has to be in polystyrene because polystyrene is, is not is quite brittle. So it will break in a, in a fancy way that is ideal for that type of packaging.
0: On the other hand, you can also optimize the shape. Let's listen to value in front of a pharmacy shelf.
3: For example, I was at the pharmacy and they had a huge display. It was three different products of vitamins, I think. And one of them was like a rounded square shape. The others were just regular round shapes. And then one of them was round tubes inside of boxes. And just, you know, the way that they displayed made a lot of sense. And the packaging, the materials, the shapes made a huge difference in how many actual bottles they could fit on a shelf, which translates to how many bottles they can fit in a carton, how many bottles they can fit on a ship and warehousing. And it makes a huge difference in sustainability. And then one of the displays had square boxes with tubes inside of them, but they had a display that could only fit four boxes because they wanted to have a lot of space around each box. Mm. Well, that's great, but you have a shelf where the competitors have like 20 bottles side by side. And this one only has four. It didn't make sense. And it's like, well, it doesn't work for these reasons.
0: I like how he expanded his comment from the shelves to the behind the scene logistics, which is a perfect segue to what Rich from Riddish is mentioning.
5: That's another great point, right? Because we have to transport these. They have to be efficiently stackable to be transported and not take up a huge amount of space. So lightweight and stackability, those are Really important characteristics if you're doing high volumes as a reuse service provider. So yeah, that's another important area to optimize. One thing people, you know, we kind of learned and I'll share some insider information here. One thing we learned is that when the food service folks, you know, they're serving the food in the cafeteria, often with single use products, they would have to hold in two hands or serve in one hand because they couldn't put one down and then stack another single use on top because they would just flatten each other. Right. And so they were really kind of excited. They're happier with ours because they're rigid, right? They're more rigid. So they could literally put one down and put another one on top, put the food in that, put another one on top, put the food in that. And they wouldn't all crumble on each other. And so they were actually able to serve more. They said, they said they were able to serve meals more quickly, right? Than having to deal with these less sturdy single use, like the fiber products at least, or some of the flimsier plastic ones.
0: That specific extract made me think about another one, explaining the numbers Redish is handling. Quantity is definitely an important design aim to take care of under the user experience key function. Listen to Rich from Redish.
5: Yeah, I think the, the largest of our clients to date had done as many as 1, in a thousand products in a day. And so that's that's a large number, right?
0: Think about it if it would have been single-use packaging contaminated with food overflowing the garbage bin. Who has sadly never seen that? The alternative is worth it, even visually, in terms of quantity for the end-user. For sure, while we speak about quantity, it covers as well the amount of product content in the packaging that could influence the price or last but not least design aim with the user experience. Evelio from Packaging and Bucks Podcast gives a nice example. The Avalon Diary. It's mm-hmm.
3: a dairy company and you know they have big glass bottles. It's like the old school bottles. It's a glass bottle of milk. I think it's like six dollars for a gallon of milk, but then when you bring the bottles back to the grocery store, they'll give you two fifty or three dollars per bottle right? So it's like this deposit scheme. They take the bottles, they wash it, they refill it, and it's it's beautiful. And the bottles are, are actually beautiful. like They're really well designed. And that's a better experience from a consumer standpoint versus a plastic one. And yes, you're paying a little bit more after you get your money back. It's still a little bit more, but it's such a better experience. And the shape isn't like the big square shape. It's like a rectangle. So it actually fits in your refrigerator better. It's like there's been more thought into mm-hmm. the design and how that impacts your life. So those are the things that really stand out to me is- color, functionality, display, and the story behind it and the materials I've chosen.
0: That's the designer and user point of view. But what about the product provider? Paul from Sikton gives its point of view.
6: And it could be profit growth. So what I would say is keep your sales steady. Don't try and make more product. But if you know you want to make more money, go circular, Increase profits. You can actually show your shareholders and stakeholders. You have to show the money quickly, and that's the tricky bit because it can sometimes take an investment to get that return back.
0: I like ending all these extracts on a challenge because, of course, many of our guests in this podcast show that circular packaging solutions are viable and even ameliorate project sales. In this episode, I built, in a way, a fictive discussion around several design aims gathered together under three key functions of marrying packaging well with products, which, as a reminder, are physical protection, communication, and user experience. And yes, the six guests sharing their experiences were not around the same table at the same time. But guess what? I will co-moderate on December 15th, a real round table, a Euro-Canadian discussion as a side event of the World Circular Economy Forum. The title is, packaging the best starting point for more Secular products, And the discussion promises to be very inspiring, given the complementarity of our six panelists you never heard about yet in the podcast. I invite you to join us, to even be able to ask questions, to enrich this conversation. So I hope to see you there. The link is in the show notes, of course, and this is in one week. So secure your spot because it's a very short notice. And just a little note here, all the phones collected will be donated to one person for the planet. So it might be already your little Christmas gift to the society in advance. With all that, I hope you will have a lot of thoughts to bring to other tables during the festivities of the end of the year. You can always bring packaging conversation to the table. Enjoy the break and I see you back in January. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and if it's the case, be sure to subscribe where you get your podcast and leave us a five stars review to help for its visibility. You also probably have at least two or three friends or colleagues to share this episode with. Of course, feel free to get in touch by the lookforloops.com website or drop me a line on Collienne Regout's LinkedIn profile. Last but not least, be sure to check the show notes with the links and resources. Until next time,